everywhere you go. Refreshes without filling. Why? You carry the fun with you. I never cease to wonder at the many ways scientists have learned to improve on nature. To think just what that means. Of course, it means many things. Each one is a masterpiece of design and beauty. But first, here is your announcement. It's time for the Geeky Brummy Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Geeky Brummy Podcast. Joining me today is Mr. Keith Mulvey. Hello there, Ryan. And Mr. Matt Little. Hello. Lee, unfortunately, has pre-existing arrangements, so won't be able to join us this week. But he will be along with his game choices of the week. But I suppose we should really introduce myself. I'm Ryan Parrish. I'm the host. Anyway, to carry on. Matt, what have you been up to since last time we caught the podcast together? Um, well, the biggest thing really is since uh, last episode when we talked about Star Wars, I got a real nostalgia for it, and I started replaying Knights of the Republic 1 on PC. We mod. Really, really enjoying it. You can definitely tell it's a game from 2003, but everything about it, from the story, the characters, to be fair, the gameplay itself, um, really still sucks me in 15 years later. And some of the mods they've released are restoring content, but also doing a lot of like HD textures, remapping and that kind of thing. So it actually brings the game a bit more sort of like new life. So even if you've played it before, there's always something sort of new in store for you. Yeah, I mean, Knights of the Old Republic and Knights of the Old Republic 2 are two of my favourite games. I think I have waxed lyrical about them on this podcast on multiple times previously. It's always a fascinating engagement story. Bioware did, Bioware did a fantastic job on the first one, and Obsidian did an even more fantastic job considering the time constraints on the second one. And there's a really good mod, which is called the Restored Content Mod from Knights of the Old Republic 2. If you haven't picked up that one, it pretty much adds in all the content that was cut out of the game meet its release date they get a lot more about hk47 who pretty much is seems to be the template of every single star wars droid since then i think (laughs) chopper and k2so definitely have some hk47's personality transplanted i think absolutely it's just it's one of those kind of games where even though it's quite old um you can look past that quite a lot. Normally I quite struggle going back to older games um, purely because I'm a spoiled millennial who loves all the shiny <laughs> things. It still holds up and it's still a really good um, Star Wars story and with the rumours on the horizon of a, another KOTOR, potentially a sort of yeah. reboot, it's definitely worth picking up now. I mean there is the the online The Old Republic which is a Bioware game. I have picked that up and played it a few times. In the story on that one is quite strong still, but I think it took it and everybody wanted that beautifully crafted loveliness that was Knights of the Old Republic 2 or 3. So, yeah, I mean, very interesting these rumours. So it's going to be 1 plus 2 blended together from what I've heard. Yeah. But um, very, very early days in that very early pre-production. So we'll have to see what happens. Anything else geeky-wise or just... Just a full-on customising the lightsaber special. That's it, really. I, I spent about four hours of my time just going through all the mods and looking at all the mods that everyone's done. And it's amazing. Some of the like, people who literally spent hours of their life making the lightsabers slightly bluer. And there's pages <laughs> and pages and pages of mods like this, so you can just get lost. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that's, the, that's the extent. It's like that Kylo Ren gif. More! More! <laughs> Keith, what have you been up to in the uh, recent times since you last week? First and foremost, if you were in the UK, you might have noticed it snowed 
for, for mm-hmm. a, a few days before the rain returned. So um, I did what any reasonable over 50 person would do and went sledding uh, down the local <laughs> park, um, which was great fun. That was It was nice. It was it felt slightly illicit going out because we were in lockdown and stuff, but um, it just it just meant life felt a little bit more normal for a tra- for a few hours, which was quite cool. Did you take your stuffed tiger with you? <laughs> Not this time. <laughs> Do any snow story. people? But there, there were some spectacular snowmen being built. It was um, yeah. just just the perfect consistency of snow. Made great snowballs because when you kind of form them up, it was that polystyrene type consistency. That was really good. I felt like Will Ferrell in Elf when I got an armful of. Um, <laughs> snowballs ready for any any young child who decided they wanted to take me on i'd have lost of course but yeah it was that was kind of nice i've been upgrading a bit of my tech slowly but surely mostly because i'm afraid of using it um because it's like it's too new and i don't want to use it it's like <laughs> what if i do something wrong i spent a bit of time playing donut county which was on xbox game pass uh, which was much more p- my pace of video game so it was like i didn't have to have lightning fast reactions and stuff it was basically you were just a hole that hoovered up things so it was kind of it was kind of a bit Katamari Damacy kind of like you, you you got bigger. So it was it was a couple of hours that was quite good. So yeah, so I'm now I'm now looking for another game of, of that style um, that I could play quite quickly in little bursts, which is quite nice. What about you, Brian? What have you been up to? A little bit more cyberpunk. The latest patch has dropped, which fixed a lot of issues and then created a brand new one, which the internet seems to delight in. There's a hot fix for the patch, which fixed all the other hot fixes. So I think that. CD Projekt Red are currently like no DLC for the foreseeable future whilst we do hatching all the content that we promised in the first place back in. I mean, I'm still enjoying the, still enjoying it. It's really good. The world crafting is amazing. But yeah, when you have somebody T-posing on, on, your, on a motorcycle driving past you, kind of does take it out of you a little bit sometimes. But I've just, I've just embraced the quirks of this is what's going to happen. I mean, we all know that 90% of the watch software around the world is shoddy and takes forever to get working. So this is what I'm thinking with cyberware. It's just all glitchy. It's, it, it feels like having like a computer from 1980s where you have to like prod it and poke it and do stuff with it and like rattle a, rattle a screwdriver around to get something to work occasionally. That, that's where I'm thinking about coming from with it. I must admit, I'm, I'm waiting for the price to drop a little bit, but I think I will eventually pick it up because what put me off it originally was the sen- the sense of it being such a big open world i would never have enough time fully invest it and particularly because mm-hmm. i'll only pick it up on console i won't pick it up on a pc or anything um it doesn't seem as daunting now it's like oh yeah there's there's going to be a fixed amount of things that i can do there won't be this kind of like everybody yeah. in, their, in the in the games having their real life existence going on while i'm doing other stuff yeah. and i've seen even though yeah. i've seen like people kind of like you know, not being too complimentary about it, there are quite a lot of things in there. That I'm thinking, yeah, I kind of that looks quite interesting to just play as a game. And if I yeah. just treat it as a game, I think I'll get quite a lot out of it. Just think of it as Skyrim Future Edition, yeah, where, where everything is broken, <laughs> but the story really draws you in, and the actual main storyline's about 15 20 hours, so you can get through that quite quickly yeah. if you don't to uh, invest time in all the side missions. I mean, some of the side missions are fantastic and they do really world build, but if you have time pressures, then the main storyline is pretty damn good. I'm also, very quickly, I'm also enjoying low kind of battle between CD Projekt Red and modders to try and stop the (laughs) Keanu Reeves um, rude mods coming out. (laughs) Yes. So I think Lee's mentioned this in the latest uh, game gaming roundup on the website to go and check that out. But basically, um, 
every model in the game, I think, was available to be swapped around with. I think they've blocked Keanu Reeves now. But um, there's pretty much prostitutes in the game called Joy Toys, and there's, you can interact with them in the way that you'd expect to interact with them. So, yeah. But I've seen one where they replaced Adam Smasher, who's one of the big bads in the game. He's just a basically 10-foot-tall robot robot now. He's got no humanity left. It's just like a bit of skin stripped over a robotic face. And somebody replaced one of the joy toys with him. <laughs> <laughs> that that was an intensely weird video to watch. And it was like, not downloading that mod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Paul Keanu's being in for a world of hurt at the moment in his digital variety. I've been sucked into the crypto wave. For those not on GameStop stock, but there's a crypto coin called Doggy Coin, which is getting a bit of a boost at the minute. So thought I'd drop a little bit of cash on that. I'm, I'm, I've gone into digital currency. Oh, um, like H- you're, you're HMRC haven't now. heard this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I can't spend my, I can't gamble it in other ways. So I'm going to buy, buy a meme-based coin. <laughs> You've gone, gone from the banana bread making and everything else. Yeah. But now the logical, is, we're now doing cryptocurrency. I mean, we've got to the stage where everybody's run out of everything else to do, aren't they? <laughs> but yeah, so not invested whole vast amounts in it, but thought it was worth a punt. So I'm sure I'll update you if it does become off and you'll never hear it again <laughs> if it doesn't pay off. All right, so coming up on the show today, we're going to be talking a bit of WandaVision. Now we're about mm, halfway through the series, talking... Star Trek Lower Decks as well, which has finally dropped on Amazon Prime in the UK. And Matt's also been in contact with a few of the geeky businesses in Birmingham and found about how you can still interact and get your contents from them in a virtual manner or what's their plans for the future post-lockdown. Plus, we'll have Keith's Comic of the Week roundups and we'll have Lee's Games of the Week as well. But uh, we'll be back with you shortly. And now it's time to take a look at some of the recent comics in the Geeky Brummy Pool list. For the week just gone, my pick of the week was Strange Adventures number 8 by Tom King, Mitch Gerrards and Evan Shanner. In this issue, the battle against the Pikes continue. The Justice League, including Green Lantern, Doctor Fate, Batman, The Flash, Superman and Wonder Woman, have scattered across the Earth, pushing back the Marauders wherever they appear. Even Mr Terrific takes a break from investigating Adam Strange's alleged war crimes to land a punch or two in their stupid alien faces. But Adam Strange has made his decision to save Ran at any price, even if that price is the Earth itself. Strange Adventures continues to be a great read and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next in this series. Also out last week was Excalibur number 17 from Marvel. This was written by Tinny Howard with art by Marcus Toe. In this issue we have Queen Elizabeth III, Opportunities and Opportunists. Two heads of state seek to restore the state of things. In the post-X of Swords worlds it'll be interesting to see how the Excalibur team deals with the disappearance and possible reappearance of Betsy Braddock. Also from Marvel we have New Mutants number 15. This is written by Vita Alia with art by Rod Rees. In this issue it's once more into the Crucible. As Karma and Danny delve deeper into their nightmares, a spider sets his eyes on the most vulnerable of the new mutants. Meanwhile, in the Wild Hunt, children play at being adults and prepare for the fight of their lives. New Mutants also continues to be a great series, and it's interesting to see what happens 
happens when the Shadow King returns. And to round out my trinity of Marvel books, we have X-Men number 17. This is written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Brett Booth. In this issue, Storm the Empire. When the Shah Empire asks the X-Men for help, Cyclops, Storm and the Marvel Girl answer the call. And finally last week from Boom Studios, we have the great titled We Only Find Them When They're Dead from Al Ewing and Simone DeMeo. In this issue, destiny has come for the endeavours of the Vihan 2. Malik and Richter face off for the last time and only one will survive. Their uncertain futures will forever be changed by a shattering discovery. We only find them when they're dead has been a great find and I'm looking forward to see what Al and Simone continue to do with this amazing series. Coming up next week from DC's Black Label and the Sandman Universe will be The Dreaming Waking Hours number 7. This is written by G. Willow Wilson with art by Javier Rodriguez. In this issue, bleeding out in a hospital bed from a magic wound that will not heal, sorceress Heather After must swing open the gates of reality to find herself a protector. But is she prepared for the deal she'll have to strike once she finds a champion with the dangerous power she needs? And speaking of dangerous power, what happens when Matthew the Raven catches a glimpse of one of the artifacts Heather has been hiding away? G. Willow Wilson has done a great job taking over from Simon Spiria and The Dreaming continues to be one of the best books DC's put out. And that's it from the Geeky Brummy Paul list this week. Now back to the main show. Marvel has dropped its latest bag of goodies and I've been doing reviews on the Geeky Brummy website. <laughs> Shameless plug. Uh, but Division is now here with us, which is pretty much the start of phase four for Marvel now. So we had Spider-Man Far From Home as our last movie amongst Phase 3. And now we're on to the next stage of Marvel's evolution. Um, so it is kind of out of order with what was the original plan. I believe it was supposed to be we'd have the uh, Black Widow movie, then the Eternals, and then Captain Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then WandaVision. Whereas certain things outside of people's control in a pandemic situation have kind of made the schedule a little bit out of place now. Uh, but we thought we'd have a chat about where we think so far. So on the day of recording, I have just caught the latest episode. Keith, I don't know if you've watched episode four yet. I've only watched three so far. So right. I haven't watched episode right. four. That's in my near future. I, I will try not to spoil it. Catch people up wherever you are. So this is set post Endgame. Vision is supposedly dead. He was never revived with everybody else after the, the blip, as it is known. Wanda is suffering from what seems to be a lot of post-traumatic stress for the events of Infinity War and Endgame. This thrusts us into a complete separate TV reality without really explaining much in the way of how we've got here. Episode 1 is very much the 50s kind of family sitcom from the US. Episode 2 is 60s and episode 3 is 70s. Uh, Keith, have you been enjoying these riffing on classic family sitcoms? Yeah, the, the whole conceit is really interesting. As each episode comes along, things start to change, which is it's which, are, which is really nicely done. Um, between you know the fir- between the first and the third episode, a lot of things have different definitely mm-hmm. made you kind of like try to guess what's going on. There's certain things that happen within the episode that you think, does that mean what? What's all this about? And uh, it's just it's just well realized that it, you know the conceits of the different time periods and the sitcoms were done really well. So you could kind of see the the I, I dream of Jeannie, the Lucille Ball shows, and then the, the Brady Bunch style um, of the of the later episodes. But it's just mm-hmm. so well done, so well played. The cast really play both the kind of like out and out comedy, and then slip into the kind of like something really dramatic's happening here really well. Yeah, because I know there's been a lot of criticism online with people saying it's not moving fast enough and they just want to get to more of a resolution pretty quickly and there's been 
stripping of plot is what people are saying rather than actually getting a a large volume of exposition i think it's the the difficulty with the decision disney have made to to release it weekly which i am a definite fan of because it gives me yeah. time to take in and kind of think what could be happening what's going on if we'd have got all eight episodes in one drop it would have spoiled it for everybody because people would have been like oh yeah i know what's happening but it, i think it gives time for that plot to develop and you can kind of go okay i can see what's going on there so i'm in no rush to get to the end to be honest i'm quite happy that i've got you know the prospect of another five weeks of slow things changing and the rug being pulled from under me and anything that i think is going to happen might not or it will all change which which is what it could do because what they've done with the series is kind of merged two of the comics um, stories together mid 90s perhaps timing might be off there was a, a series called house of m in which wanda maximoff was a big part of um, when she wished a certain proportion of the marvel universe out of existence there was the repercussions of what that happened so some of some things that we we see in that show are kind of ripping on that and then later in the, the like the 2000s we had tom king's vision comic which was vision had his own family so he had his own family of synthesoids including a pet dog and there's elements of that coming into it as well. So it's really kind of interesting how they're kind of merging the comic stories, but not doing the mm-hmm. comic stories and making it something new and unique, which means that I, I can't guess what's going to happen, which is great. It's like, I, I don't know. I can go, I can theorize and go, they might do this, I might do that. But it makes it really interesting for me to not know, even though it's based on comics. Yeah, because we didn't get these characters from the MCU point of view until pretty much the end of phase two with Age of Ultron. They haven't been around as long as traditional characters such as Iron Man and Thor and Captain America. And I think they were really pushed more to the back, especially with Avengers Endgame and Infinity War, because it was such such a big movie and so many moving parts, and the focus was really on the original Avengers cast. So I think this has really allowed them to grow and develop a lot more, and having that breathing room of having a series rather than yeah. be just another film that they could have done with this. Yeah, there's something I like about that sensibility with with Marvel, and to a certain extent with what disney are doing with star wars having characters and actors who are big screen and small screen so they can tell those different kind of stories because when i was a kid the only way you could get that would be you would have the film and then you might have some novels or you might have some comic adaptations where you could really enrich the world and what i like about this is that these series can really enrich the world and then the um films can concentrate on the kind of big stuff um or you know the kind of spectacular crisis bits so if we have like x-men come into the marvel universe or whatever it is um that Mm -hmm. can all be dealt with in a in a movie but set up within within the slow burn of of a series which i kind of really like i like that idea of it being cross media and we've seen it Mm -hmm. a little bit with with doctor who that idea of mixing media and it's like you get a bit i think as long as you're not losing it if you haven't got access to it and it's not essential that you have all of these things i think then then it becomes problematic if it's everything is all interconnected in a way that you have to be subscribed or you have to buy the comic or you have to buy the book that would be detrimental that was kind of the issue with agents of shield because i did want it to be its own thing but still tangentially connecting it to the movies so it was in the universe but it was kind of a mopping up after a big event or there'll be some references to what events going on so especially a lot with Thor the Dark World, I think was a big crossover with London at the time. This is a completely different take on the way of doing it. And well, again, even if you look at the Netflix series, I think with that kind of, it was in the MCU, but it was more referred to off screen. Whereas this actually, we are getting 
a deeper involvement in the MCU. I mean, so we've got um, Rambo's character, who's played two completely separate roles in this. Uh, we've, we're going to have Darcy, we're going to have uh, Agent Wu turn up from Ant-Man. So it gives them a more chance to experience and like flick these characters back and forth between being in certain what we would deem as a franchise on its own regard. So I think that's really helping the show as well. Whereas it's the case of with Agents of Shield, it was pretty much Agents of Shield lives on TV, and we'll we'll have Clark Gregg and we'll have the occasional cameo, like we'll have Samuel L. Jackson in the first episode. But it was very much a, this exists on TV and it won't cross into the movies. And I think the original plan was to have that pop wrap in in Infinity War and Endgame that you'd see the Agents of Shield participating along with the Avengers, but I think that got dropped just because of sheer what volume of characters they had at that point, which is a bit of a shame. But this is kind of turned it on its head. And as you mentioned, Keith, the performance has been fantastic. Paul Bettany is such a great comedic actor. This has allowed him out yeah. of his shell a little bit, I think, because if, if you think about it, he's been with the franchise since day one as well. He was in Iron Man, which everybody seems to forget that he was Jarvis before he, he was. He was the voice of Jarvis, yeah. So he's been in the he's been in the Avengers since Day Dot himself. Yeah. So, and I think it allows him to say what Vision is like a true Avenger at this point. It's a proper, proper part of the squad. Yeah. Uh, um, what are your hopes for the rest of the series? We're about a third of the way through where you are. So we've got nine episodes. Uh, I will let you know. Episode four is slightly longer than what we've had previously. Okay. So it looks like we might be going the Mandalorian route, where the length of the show fits the story not not set to kind of standard network times which is good it benefits the show i i don't really know where i think it will go um i i hope that they kind of start to drop the conceit of the um fantasy tv thing as that as that peels away and you can see that already starting to kind of break down especially with the events of the third the end of the third episode that i watched kind of quite clearly said this is not what it appears I've seen rumours online about certain characters and actors appearing, um, which, whilst I'd, that would be cool. What I'd say for episode four is all the people who've been whining about the lack of exposition get a get a significant building in episode four. I think um, try, try not to spoil it in those terms. The biggest thing I'd want to see from it is that it um, holds together as a series by itself. It doesn't leave you kind of waiting for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which I think, because they've revealed already that, that um, Scarlet Witch will be appearing in that, that it doesn't tie mm-hmm. too directly to that. And we're waiting, because now with the delays, it's going to be 22, 23 possibly before we get that film, which will be great, because it's Sam Raimi directing, which will be kind of amazing in yeah. itself. Um, but I kind of hope it, it it keeps its own story and tells a good mm-hmm. story with with the promise of, of developments along yeah. the line. It interests me quite a lot is how much rewriting they would have had to do because I'm sure in the run-up to this we'd have had a little bit of lead-up to this whole WandaVision with uh, Captain America, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and with Eternals. I think there'd have been a lot more breadcrumbs dropped in those of where's where's Wanda? What's happened? What was Falcon and Winter Soldier up to doing their own thing? So I think... It'll be interesting to see if they still keep those plots back in and then it's just a case of reshuffle your viewing order when it comes to going for the marathon rewatch again. Yeah, we'll we'll all rewatch everything again anyway. So 
but it's a good it's a good show i'm enjoying it it's a, it's a childhood dream come true having these characters on tv being able to to watch these adventures on tv which is kind of cool the amount of easter eggs in every single episode as well is frankly ridiculous if if you're like a big marvel fan and you've been following the comics for a long time there's pretty much references to everything you, you'd hope or expect i'd say matt are you hopeful about more short form marvel I think what you said earlier hits on the head, really. My problem initially with a lot of the MCU sort of big films is they were shallow. Obviously, because they're films, they have a limited runtime. So they're focusing on the big the big events. Again, there was an original divide between TV and film. But it's nice to see actually the big screen characters get series where they can actually work on the nuances of each character. And you can really sort of start to see it as a, a more living, breathing entity as opposed to it's just a summer blockbuster. I'm really looking forward to it having not watched any of it yet just because i haven't had time i'm really looking forward to starting it because as well i like how trailers and that kind of thing haven't really given anything away whatsoever and luckily i've avoided spoilers so it's going to be a nice sort of prize and something refreshing as well because i'm i'm genuinely excited to see something marvel again which i haven't done quite a while and people who've only had mcu as their background knowledge i think will appreciate having Wanda and Vision as characters, more of having more of the same. I mean, we, we had over a decade of Iron Man on screen, and it, we, we got a really good story arc with Iron Man, same with yeah. Thor as much, and Captain America, and some of the other characters. So having some of the minor characters come out and breathe a little bit, I think definitely appreciates it. Yeah, I think the key to that whole idea is it's the Marvel Universe, an infinite number of stories that can be told with an almost infinite number of characters that that you may not know but i think when they're cast as well as they are and have been in all of the previous marvel stuff the casting has always worked brilliantly i don't think i've ever kind of thought that was bad casting um so that that just makes you kind of really um you know emote with with, the, with these characters you know you kind of you're invested in their stories and i think that the idea of with this with Wanda bringing back the characters of Darcy and Wu, and they're you know minor characters in the film, but will have their chance to shine in these TV series. As we've uh, said before, um, the UK is in our third lockdown of coronavirus pandemic, ongoing series, etc. One of the big things that obviously is quite apparent is the loss of high street, the loss of retail and the big impact that has on not only people's jobs, but also the kind of culture we have in terms of going into shops. But one thing that's not really been covered a lot is the impact that has on, let's say, things like the geeky scene. We've decided to reach out to loads of different geeky places in Birmingham to just check in and see what they're doing, how they're doing if there's ways they're still operating and we can support them. Keep it very brief, but I've got three of these places who I've got in touch with and I'll be listing basically what they're doing and where you can find them. The whole point of this is just to give a little love to these places because even though we've still got online, what is going to be interesting to see is with how long this has taken, a lot of these places aren't just shops or places to play board games. They are people's social lives. People will go in there on a regular basis. They will know the staff. They will know other customers. There is a whole entire culture that we have lost in this last year. And so remembering what these places are just means that we can, as soon as the shops are back open, as soon as we can get back to some of normality, 
we can hopefully get back to restoring that kind of geek culture which Birmingham is so awesome for. So in no particular order, I'm going to start with Wayland's Forge. Wayland's Forge is everything you need for tabletop gaming. You can find it in the Custard Factory in Digbeth in regular, regular times. They are premier place to go for anything tabletop. And They're so a massive veteran of the scene, aren't they? I mean, they used to be in Fletcher's Arcade, if people remember that. Probably. Absolutely. If you want anything to do with board games, they're there. They do much of the gathering. They also do loads of games workshop stuff, but also a little bit more of the lesser known. So things like War Machine, Game of Thrones, that kind of thing. And if you don't, if they don't have it in stock, they can always find it for you. And the other thing they would do quite regularly is put on regular tournaments are both like more professional and casual to get people into it so they were a really big part of the sort of board game scene in Birmingham when I caught up with them good news is they are still open they're operating weekdays 10 till 2 you can order games online they've got whole they're still getting stocked regularly as well so if there's something they don't have they will be able to find it for you you can reach them through social media twitter facebook their website obviously email address and you can give them a call they do postage to anywhere but they're also offering click and collect where they will come to their shop front or they'll even go to the car park next door to drop it for you and they're also doing a very limited kind of delivery based on when they can really and the cost of that would just be a very little bit to cover petrol to get there working really hard around the clock to make sure that they're still there giving you board games and giving you everything you need to kind of deal with the lockdown, to be honest. So next up, a bit of a change, is Tokyo Toys. So Tokyo Toys opened a couple of years ago, and they've been a really big hit on the high street because they're there to give you sort of anime, manga, video game, merchandise, all that kind of geeky, cool stuff, like statues, that kind of thing. They're really good in terms of their shop is going for a super cute aesthetic really sort of encapturing the kind of uh, thing you would see in Tokyo and they've got floor to ceiling filled with almost like Aladdin's cave of little treasures from all kinds of different animes uh, manga and video games they are closed obviously but they're still operating online and they are doing shipping across the world so no matter where you're listening from you can go online and you can get stuff from them. One of the things I would say is to check out their YouTube because they post content weekly and they do everything from unboxings of new figures, top picks of the week for new stock they've got in, and also reaction videos to some really big stuff, uh, things like new series uh, in manga or anime, that kind of thing. So it's really, they're quite a good one-stop shop for anything you want related to anime manga just to get your fit in normal times you can also find them on corporation street in Birmingham city center they are again doing limited collections where you can go to the shop but that is something you need to basically call in advance and rearrange with them which you can do on checkout as well yeah i mean shout out to the staff as well i mean every time i've been in looking for presents for family members where i'm not au fait maybe with the latest anime or manga or video game their staff are absolutely fantastic and they will pretty much know they're like encyclopedias of it anyway so you can go in and say i want something from a specific franchise and they'll take you straight to it and let you know where it is and what kind of things you're looking for there. Even when I was, I was reaching out to them, like they were just so lovely and accommodating. They were like, what do you want? Whatever information you want, we'll give it to you. You know, <laughs> Similar to Wayland's Forge and um, the next one I'm going to talk about, same sort of thing. The best thing about these shops is they are all run by people with a passion. And so they're not going to look down on you for your lack of mon- knowledge um on naruto or whatever you want they are they are there to basically talk at you 
and inspire you to get involved with that kind of thing so they're always really approachable and they'll do whatever you need the last one i think needs a lot of love it's called Bad Kitty, a new hobbyist cafe experience. Unfortunately, they opened up just as the first lockdown happened at the start of 2020. That's a real shame because from speaking to them and from looking at what they offer, it looks brilliant. And I actually can't wait to go once once everything's back open. They are effectively a board game. Uh, they sell like loads of board games um, and loads of like tabletop RPGs. But their big sell is they are also a cafe and upstairs they have an entire gaming room with four massive sort of games tables which they build sets on a variety of different scenes suitable for a variety of different games so people can book a table they can bring their own sets as well but if they want to play with the pre-made it gives a little bit of variety to your games because you can all sort of arrive and play on a completely different terrain you weren't aware of like you, you have no prior knowledge to they also uh, in terms of the cafe element they do homemade cakes and they do locally sourced coffee as well from quarter horse coffee who i'm also a big fan of so it's nice to see they've sort of set up shop and they're already kind of showing the birmingham scene some love in terms of how you can support them at the moment they're still operating online. Again, like the other two shops, they are still selling lots of the sort of board game merchandise, but also accessories, everything from White Dwarf magazine, which is a Games Workshop's magazine for everything up and coming in the Warhammer world, and um, their other sort of IPs, to dice manuals for D&D and a host of other sort of accessories I didn't even know were a thing, as well as loads of paints, loads of brushes. And again, they're really nice guys. They will be able to advise you on anything from starting up to learning how to paint that kind of thing in terms of selling situation again they do online deliveries they also do a collect service and the other thing which i thought was really cute is they also do homemade cakes birthday cakes to order so you can get a big cake whether that's a lockdown birthday or whether you're just feeling a little bit low and need a massive cake to make you feel a bit better they will make one for you and you can get it you can deliver it to them which i think is just really cute they're a beautiful little shop as well and it's so unfortunate with the timing for them to open it is but they've they've done a really really good job of keeping it going and i would say especially for them check out the instagram because they're always posting loads of the sort of new sets they're building as well as their products so it gives you again it's another nice thing to look at that's not just here's some products it's actually them building building things because they're bored and they love it and where are they located Matt? they are located just around the corner from tokyo toys they're located on cannon street in Burnham city center which is where slater's menswear is for those brummies who know <laughs> it's like it's pretty much like a like a signpost for anybody who's local to Birmingham. Isn't it? If you know where Slater's menswear is, that's pretty much everywhere you can go from Birmingham. It's like <laughs> Slater's menswear, and then up a little bit. No, that's fantastic, Matt. Thanks for that. Uh, we will put links in the description below. Links to all these beautiful, beautiful local businesses. Please go and help them out, support them. Go, go and get the, get some geeky stuff. Perfect time to pick up a hobby and get all your miniatures painted before you have to go and play. Before you get rinsed by a 10-year-old. <laughs> More disposable income than you have. Yeah. All of this will be in a follow-up blog, which will be live on the website, and that will also have a bit more details about all these different businesses, where they're located, all of their social media handles, emails, websites, you name it, it will be on it. So look out for that.
Hello, welcome to the portion of the show where I talk about my games of the week for the past two weeks. Last week, in the spirit of trying to highlight games that weren't just the big releases, I decided not to make Hitman 3 Game of the Week, despite it being the obvious choice and a game that I'm genuinely interested in. Instead, here's a neat-looking indie pick that I think deserves your attention as well. Ocean's Heart is a top-down adventure set on an archipelago kingdom where you play as a girl named Tilia as she searches for her missing father. It's clearly taken some inspiration from the Zelda series with its GBA-style visuals, Wind Waker-inspired setting, and Breath of the Wild-inspired promo art. It looks like a solid adventure, though. The visuals are well-crafted in all their retro goodness, and there's a charm to the game that makes it look appealing. Game of the Week this week is The Medium. The latest title from Layers of Fear and Blair Witch developers Bloober Team, The Medium is a horror game that looks set to bring back a Silent Hill vibe to the genre, even going as far as hiring Akira Yamaoka to work on the soundtrack. Unsurprisingly, the main character is a medium, a Polish orphan named Marianne who can see through the veil between life and the afterlife. Much of the game involves this split as Marianne solves puzzles between the two realms and faces off the strange spirits and monsters from beyond the divide. I'm all for a creepy psychological horror game that brings back the days of Silent Hill, so I have to make it Game of the Week. To recap, we've got Ocean's Heart, published by Nordcurrent and developed by Max Moraz, and that's available for Steam. And we have The Medium, which was developed by Bloober Team and released for Steam and the Xbox Series X slash S. On both PC and Xbox, it is available through Game Pass. And now, back to the main show. After a short delay, Star Trek Lower Decks has now finally arrived in the UK, thanks to Amazon Prime. This is the latest of the recent Star Trek series, from which we've already had Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard. What sets Lower Deck apart is the fact that it's an animated TV show, which is only the second time that Star Trek's been animated after the kind of late 60s, early 70s uh, Star Trek The Animated Series, of which I was a big fan. The premise of this show is that a bunch of Lower Decks characters, these are the kind of people that are making things run whilst the likes of Picard and Riker are stepping over chairs in the bridge. So we get to follow their adventures and so far this whole series um, has been a delight. Uh, I would even go so far as to say it's my favourite of the recent Star Trek shows, mostly because it feels like Star Trek. Uh, Everything about it is just really done with care and affection for the universe and the characters. We follow a bunch of these characters, but we also see the bridge crew and their interaction between them. The spaceship looks great. The titles are great. The titles are uh, one of the best things I've seen in a long time. It's very traditionally Star Trek but has a few comedic elements in there, which sets it apart from the usual run-of-the-mill show. So I I've, I've thought it was really good. The voice acting has been spectacular. The animation is great. The uniforms look fantastic. The ship design is really good. And although it's technically a comedy, I'd say that actually some of the drama is as good as the best episodes of um, Next Generation or even Discovery and Picard. Um, what about you guys? Have, have you had a chance to watch it yet? And what do you think? It's kind of set, what, about 10, 15 years post-Next Generation? Yeah, it's, so, it's relatively close to the Next yeah. Generation timeline. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of, it, it, it feels like it's a natural success to that one. I was expecting Star Trek Rick and Morty, to be honest. <laughs> and, and that was my one fear about it, that it was just going to be purely Star Trek Rick and Morty. And it was just going to be insane pratfalls and stupidity and nothing actually star trek in it but i think after the first couple of episodes after you get to know the characters 
you kind of get that Star Trek heart come through a little bit. And we get a little bit more of that emotional storytelling play. We, it's not completely stupid all the time, which was my big worry. We, we do get some of that really good Star Trek thing. And it's like, it really riffs on the tropes of Star Trek. It's kind of like Galaxy Quest, the Star Trek series, but the animated Galaxy Quest series. It's got every single thing that you'd have in a Star Trek series. And at the same time, it's very happy to self-parody it, parody it and riff on it. And it's 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 kind of like these the characters we're looking at here, they're the people who make sure that the replicator does spit out tea, Earl Grey hot, and not and not minestrone soup. So it's kind of like we get to look at the lower, darker side of the Star Trek universe where there's all these people doing their jobs and they get no recognition whatsoever usually. And it's how how do you work as an ensign at the end of the day? Who are all the bridge crew that get crushed by falling rocks every time somebody shoots the bridge? It's nice to see that kind of thing because Discovery had that at the very start of it and then it pretty much has now accelerated into back to it's the full bridge crew. Whereas this is, we do get some more time here, I think. And I think the way the series ends as well gives us a really interesting series too. Oh, I'll give spoilers. I think, yeah. yeah. In the last couple of episodes, there's some really dramatic stuff happens that you just go, I can't believe they just did that in an animated show. It's like, seriously, you think that's good drama. The way they use the ship, the Cerritos as well, which I kind of really liked at the beginning. I was a bit, I don't know if I like the ship design, but now I'm like, yeah, that's cool. (laughs) This is a cheapo enterprise, isn't it? It's basically, it's it's the Miranda to the Constitution class. The main cast that we we have is so you've got Mariner, who's kind of the mm-hmm. provincial lead because of a, a relationship with another member of the crew, which I will not spoil for people. <laughs> then you've got Boimer, who's the kind of like ensign uh-huh. crusher. We get introduced to the show with Boimer, so yeah. it's kind of like, it feels like he should be the main character. <laughs> and then Mariner just comes in and takes the entire scene yeah, away. Yeah, she, she, she kind of does it. But uh, Tendi as well, you know, that, that's yeah. she, she's a great character, especially when she um, creates a dog, uh, which, <laughs> which is a great episode. You, you just have to watch that one. It's a great episode. Yeah, uh, and then Sam Rutherford, who's kind of the engineer. But again, it's a very modern show because all of these characters have got such so many facets. There's somebody, there's somebody in the show that everybody can relate to in in some fashion, which is good. Because and yeah. even then, when you get the kind of like the traditional Riker character, Commander uh, uh, Ransom, uh, yeah, yes. almost played like, by uh, Jerry played O'Connell. By Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but the whole thing is really good. And then there's an episode with the they, they do the traditional holodeck episode, which is the best holodeck episode I've ever seen. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. And you just think yeah. this is ridiculous. How how is a what most people must have thought was a throwaway kind of show? It's a cartoon. It's you like you said. It's it's going to be something that's just silly. Actually, I really got attached to to, <laughs> to the whole thing. It's a love letter to the whole canon. But um, so I, I was thinking. When I was watching it, I got vibe the same vibes I got from when I first watched the first series of Final Space because it had it was it had silly bits. Actually, there was like you said the drama and some of the scenes in the drama. I'm there being like, oh damn, like <laughs> this is this is good TV. It did get that balance really really well, and also the sort of playfulness of like, some of the throwaway comments when I talk about the holodeck and actually what other. What, the other thing Holodeck is used for, and it's like some of those questions that obviously everyone's been asking, and they do throw away kind of references yeah. to. That's a, um, that's a great gag. That is. It's it's the constant dropping of like, well, there's there's a scene where they're fighting with spears, and it's like, 
oh, this has got a proper Kirk 2260 <laughs> vibe and stuff like that. They, they, I think they even <laughs> use the arena um, soundtrack for that yeah. moment. And I think the, the classic rocks um, from, from the, the Gorn battle scene and, and um, Bill and Ted. Yeah. But I think that's an excellent call, though, Matt, with, with yeah. Final Space. Final Space was another show that you kind of would have thought, well, this is just going to be silly and not very good. Mm-hmm. But that is another show where I was like, yeah, I'm more invested in this than Game of Thrones or anything yeah. else. Because yeah. it's, you, you, it's, it gets into your head. You don't expect it. And then you go, I really love these characters. And I don't like it when yeah. bad things happen to them. Yeah. yeah, and it could have just been very lazy stereotypes yeah. as well. But they, they really have got depth to each of these characters. Yeah. I think, it, and it's not just a case of everybody has a throwaway line. They've actually really considered how these characters will interact together. I think like one of the good examples of that one is uh, with Sam, where he's trying different different jobs around the ship, and it's that kind of thing. If it's a good, it's a good way of taking the mick out of all the other roles. But then at the end of the day, he just loves events. He just <laughs> loves being an event, and it's it's a really nice way of taking one of what would seem a really menial task in, say, one of the other kind of series and being, actually, it's really fun. He's really having a good time. <laughs> yeah. Can't fault a show that also finally reveals to everybody that Miles O'Brien is the best character in Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting that you picked up that point because it's great to see that not everybody wants to be a captain. And we do get characters who want to be a captain, but there are people who want to be engineers, who want to work in medical, who want to actually like have a career where they don't have to be commander or lieutenant commander or the captain. Everybody just gets their own bit of time. There's even an episode that kind of addresses that idea of like, it's just one crisis after another. It's just, no, this is too much. It is, it, but it plays on, like you said, it plays on all of these tropes of Star Trek and does something really interesting in them. It's not just lazily going, here's something that's Star Trek. It it actually it actually makes something of it and and does something that we can all relate to in some some way in our own like how do we fit in the world idea of like we can't all be the greatest but somehow we have a place yeah. everybody has a, a a responsibility and an, their actions have a have a resonance and that really affirms the Star Trek message of everything only works if everybody pulls in the same direction. That's that's definitely one of the themes of the show is we all have to work together. We don't have to work together well, but we just have to work together to solve whatever crisis that's going to be at that time. And I think the other joy of this is one of the other things that I don't think a lot of people have picked up on is we actually get to see interactions with other crews and other parts of Starfleet, which is never done in the real shows. It's just kind of like, Oh, you'll just see a ship dock in the background of DS9, or there'll be a five-minute scene where an admiral talks to Picard. Whereas in this show, we actually get to see like, oh, so they are jealous of like the new ship's equipment, and they're on an old rust bucket. And it's like, oh, I worked with you 15 years ago, so I know I'm going to hate you because you're a stuffy, yeah. stuffy jerk. And that that's one of the great things it's had to do. It's like we've expanded out to Starfleet now. It's just not just one ship's crew. It's it's fun to have this interaction between other crew. Yeah. And it's it's stuff that you can imagine in any kind of workplace where it's kind of like, well, their office is nicer, so they get all the treatment, and that's why I'm going to be really envious of them. It's that where they've taken the modern sort of like animated series tropes, um, and and a lot of the dialogue. It's very it's very improv. It is very water cooler dialogue which works really well and i think the the cast again 
their sort of casting has worked really, really well because sort of like Tony Newsom, Jack Quaid, especially, they've got a really good rapport from the get go, you know. Yeah. Especially seeing sort of Quaid in this compared to the boys, where it's still there's humour, but a lot of it is he plays a character that's very uh sort of humorless and everything that is humorous about him is more by accident, whereas in this there's a bit more of he he's sort of playing up with the comedy and that kind of thing. And it's nice to see that. Like it's it's a whole another level I've not seen him do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean fantastic voice performances all the way through. I love Jerry O'Connell and the Bridge Crew as well, the rest of the Bridge Crew, when they just season them in each episode. They're always present, but they never have enough time to get dull and boring, I think. Yeah. And it's like having the Bajoran security chief who's just in obsessed with wrestling things it's that kind of thing like they're still the stereotypical bridge bridge crew but also the whole ship is a second contact thing so it's that kind of thing of they're lower wrong compared to first contact so it's it's that kind of i love the different layers even though they're still top dog in this one and they look like the cool kids they're still bottom wrong and they're bitter about it and you can very much see that (laughs) i mean there's a whole bit in one of the episodes where boyman goes on a massive rant about Oh, I'm going to just get assigned to a space station and then die in some crazy accident, and then like a ship's going to come along, and I'm just going to be a shaky video cam footage as they put it together about how I died. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> such a great reference to how pretty much every single next gen episode started. And it's kind of like, oh, we're on a deserted base. I wonder what happened here. Monster of the Week appears. If you have any love for Star Trek in any of its forms, or you have any love for just good TV, then I wholeheartedly recommend that you you check out Star Trek Lower Decks on Amazon Prime. Thank you for joining us on the Geeky Brummy podcast this week. Keith, where can we find your social media presences online? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at hardluck underscore hotel or on Instagram without the underscore. Uh, And then pretty much more regularly on a Wednesday on the Geeky Brummy website with the uh, comics roundup and throughout the day on a Wednesday on our Twitter feed. Uh, just kind of highlighting a few of the pages from those books and a couple of others that don't quite make the pool list but are actually well worth checking out. Matt, where can we find your virtual telly present? You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Matt Lovell, where I post things where I think I'm trying to be funny but I'm not. And you can find me on Instagram at matchstick underscore Matt, um, where it's mostly selfies, to be honest. Um, but you can also find me uh, weekly on the Geeky Brum website where I do the gaming roundup and uh, post a couple of blogs. Mm-hmm. And you can find Lee when he's back with us uh, at the Cheap Ferret, which is his personal Twitter handle, or you can find all of his video game mo- uh, YouTube channel stuff at Bob the Pet Ferret on Twitter, at Bob the Pet Ferret on YouTube. It's really good stuff on there. I think he's just um, done a really great little video, if you've had a chance to watch it, about why gaming is important. I really recommend you go and watch that, and I'll pop the description for that in the YouTube channel. And I think it's on Patreon as well, at Bob the Pet Ferret. But you can also find me at Ryan Parrish on Twitter. Kind of just lazy. It's a boring title compared to you guys. It's just <laughs> at me. Well, <laughs> I just put Mr. at the front of mine, so it's not competitive. <laughs> <laughs> but, and you can find us at Geeky Brummy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube.com forward slash Geeky Brummy, geekybrummy.com as Keith and Matt have mentioned regular content on the Geeky Room website every Wednesday is the Comic Roundup, every Friday is the Gaming and Esports Roundup so check those out uh, but for now, thanks very much 
don't forget to like, subscribe, share, do all the things that everybody badges you to do at the end of one of these episodes. I mean, it does really help. And leaving a review would be really nice, even if it's negative. Our fragile egos can, egos can take that. <laughs> but for now, goodbye, everybody. Live long and prosper, folks. <laughs>